0: Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Tuesday, January 15th, 2019. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I know uh, you know our usual schedule is Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, but Duke lost Monday night at home to Syracuse, and Trey Jones has a separated AC joint. So these are big developments in the sport, and we decided late monday that waiting till wednesday to discuss things that didn't that 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 happened late monday didn't make much sense so here we are on a tuesday surprise surprise norlander on a scale of one to the entire season is different now how big is this injury to trey jones
1: not quite the entire season is different, but this is uh, significant. In fact, weird day for Duke overall because it was expected that Zion Williamson was going to play, but we didn't know for sure until, you know, basically we got right up to game time that he was going to play after the, the double vision. Then we find out Cam Reddish is, has flu-like symptoms. He's not even involved in the game. And then, what, six minutes into action, Trey Jones goes down with that injury. Um, so you have three of the four freshmen here that have just uh, that have taken on uh, either injury, or illnesses or just freak accidents so definitely a a spooky 48 hours for Duke uh, which will get little to no sympathy from almost anyone um, because when you recruit the number one class pretty basically year over year and you take on this kind of stuff uh, guess what you've got some other uh, some other five star kids and and top two draft picks still ready and available for you so I get uh, I get people that have a no uh, ill will toward Duke, but also have no bad feelings for the fact that they're going through some stuff right now. Trey Jones is a very important player, though. Uh, I don't even know if you can make—given uh, no Reddish, no Trey Jones, I, I, there's still not much of an excuse for losing at home to Syracuse. I, I know we're going to get to the Trey Jones stuff, but real quick on the, on that outcome, Parrish— um, for for Duke you got to win that game. Uh credit to Syracuse for doing what it did there. It's going to get into the tournament in fact, you know, we both expected Syracuse to lose. And with the loss there, you know, on if we had had our Wednesday podcast and decided to address Syracuse, I believe we both would have said that we were not thinking that a preseason top 20 team that returned most of its um minutes from a season ago, was going to get back to the NCAA tournament. Now I am so very, very in on Syracuse taking a few more bad losses, stealing another one. Who, hey, who the hell knows? Maybe they'll sweep Duke this season because – the Blue Devils Hill have to go to the Carrier Dome in February. Getting that 9 seed, knocking off the 1, and at minimum making the Elite 8. Syracuse is uh, prone to do it. I know they, that they're capable of it, and uh, it was nice to at least see them play up and battle in particular. Tyus Battle was a stud. Um, great game for him. Good for Syracuse. But let's just see where they are in two weeks because I feel like this team might be as bipolar as any. But with Duke, bad loss, and now uh, it's it's no longer number one in multiple metrics. Virginia officially made the leap, and um, and so there we go. I know we're going to get to Trey Jones, but I didn't know if you wanted to touch on the game at all whatsoever because it was significant for Q's. Like, for as bad as for Duke, at least we'll acknowledge that the Orange got um, what now rates as the second most impressive win of the season statistically according to KPI, the only one that was better? Michigan just throttling Villanova, and it was the margin of victory for Michigan there that really is the difference as opposed to Syracuse uh, winning that one in overtime.
0: I I don't reject that all that is true according to computers, but this game will always um, be discussed, and I I think be discussed by the selection committee with context. You know, Cam Reddish did not play, um, Trey Jones barely played, I, I don't know that the computers take that into account, but the selection committee will still either way. If your Duke is a bad loss, I mean, when you've got Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett on your team, you cannot lose at home. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't lose at home to a Syracuse team that had just lost at home to Georgia Tech (laughs) by 14. Like, that's a a, a terrible loss. And I dropped – well, let me ask you, where do you think – because you don't know yet because it hasn't posted. Where do you think I should have dropped Duke in the top 25-1? and I had
1: them number two. Um – Okay, so given what you just said, I think you're going to take into account uh, the fact that didn't have Reddish and then had Trey for most of the game, who, by the way, had four steals before he went out. Um, I'll say you only put him at, like, fifth. I don't think you drop him further than that. Am I right? You're wrong. I have him seventh now. Oh, how about that? It's number one Tennessee, two Virginia,
0: three Michigan, four Gonzaga, five Kansas, six Michigan State, and then seven Duke just above the Texas Tech team that it beat on a neutral court. Um, in the month of of December, um, f- for whatever it's worth, right now, because that's that's we can say Syracuse is talented, Syracuse is accomplished, Syracuse has a Hall of Fame coach, and Syracuse played well, but Syracuse is still a sub thirty Kenpom team, and Duke is the only team I have in the top fifteen now that has a loss at home to a sub thirty Kenpom team, and and when you combine that fact that. You know the resume is now dinged in a way that that it otherwise wouldn't be, with the fact that, and I don't always like factor injuries into the rankings until they show themselves to be real issues. But undeniably, like losing Trey Jones for an indefinite amount of time is a is a big problem for Duke, particularly heading into this weekend against Virginia. Now, after that, the schedule really does uh, lighten up. But they're not the same team, anything close to the same team without Trey Jones, and so I've got them seventh, um, uh, just behind Michigan State, just ahead of 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 Texas Tech. So it's a, it's a bad loss, even without Cam and with very little Trey Jones, because when you've got Zion and you got RJ, you got to be able to handle, and you got Cameron Indoor, you got to be able to to handle that. I do want to touch on uh, something else that you pointed out that because I noticed it last night when I tweeted it about the AC joint separation. And let me be clear. I'm not a doctor. I don't have any idea how, you know, (laughs) if that means three games or nine games for Trey Jones or the season. But I I will say that Luke Kennard, the former Duke Blue Devil, suffered an AC joint sprain earlier in this NBA season for the Detroit Pistons. And he missed five weeks. And uh, that might have nothing to do with, with Trey Jones' injury. Trey's could be worse. Trace could be not as severe Um, That's unclear At least publicly unclear at this moment But Mike Krzyzewski did say he's going to be He would assume he's quote out for a while And so I don't think As many people uh, like to make this joke Last night on Twitter uh, You know Oh one game indefinite suspension at Duke That's one game because of the Grayson Allen Indefinite suspension that was one game It it appears that it's going to be more than one game Um, The point I was going to make initially Is that when you tweet this last night, you know, Trey Jones is going to be out indefinitely with a AC joint separation. There's a lot of what you reference, which is, well, I don't feel bad for them. Oh, or I'm so sad for mm-hmm. Duke sarcastically. And I don't know why it's difficult for like a reasonable human to acknowledge. Duke has um, an incredible roster with options unlike any other roster in the country. But it still sucks on a random Monday night in January to lose your point guard and the guy who puts incredible pressure on the ball on the defensive end of the court for an indefinite amount of time. It could actually change everything about your season. If nothing else, it's going to affect the seed you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. And if he is out for a while, and like a while could be the season, theoretically – Like, it's the difference between you maybe winning a national championship and not winning a national championship. Duke will be good regardless, but I don't know why it's difficult for folks to acknowledge um, that Duke, oh, oh, you know, oh, well, Duke's still got, you know, a million other McDonald's All Americans, whatever. Um, But then also acknowledge this is a massive blow to that basketball team because you talk to anybody on that Duke staff. Or just yesterday afternoon, before this happened, I had Jay Billis on my radio show, and he made the same point. Like, Trey Jones is as important to what Duke does um, and to Duke being good as anybody else on that roster. The reason that they've had to go to zone in recent years because their one-and-done guys couldn't guard and they don't have to do it this year is Trey Jones because he is so good and advanced on that end of the court. So I, 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 I don't know. Like, I... I I guess I mostly don't care, although I've been talking about it for three minutes now. But it, it is a little weird that people can't acknowledge, um, even if Duke still has three top five picks on his roster, losing Trey Jones is 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 not anything close to insignificant.
1: Extremely significant, but I also, real quick, I need to circle back to what you started that uh, whole little rant about. It wasn't even a rant, but you know what I mean. Whenever someone prefaces something with, I'm not a doctor, it's safe to assume that everyone within that person's vicinity, whether they're listening on a podcast, having that conversation in a hotel bar or wherever, we all know you're not a doctor. All right. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? They're like, well, listen, I'm not a doctor, but. Yeah, we get that. Everyone knows. Everyone, if you were, right, a doc- I'll
0: just say it then. I, I, I am a doctor.
1: Okay, that's it. that. Thank you. Finally, finally, it comes out on the podcast. People don't. I don't want to this.
0: brag on the podcast, but if you're going to put me in a tough spot, I'm going to go ahead and publicly acknowledge <laughs> I am
1: actually a doctor. Trey Jones is going to be out for a while. That's right. Um, okay, we don't know the timeline, right? Could be. I think if you're if you're looking uh, best case scenario, five games, six games. Worst case scenario with this never gets right and misses the rest of the season. I think we both land that it's going to be somewhere in between and you're hoping for uh, essentially a month from now, maybe 5 weeks from now. We'll see. Um shoulder injuries are can be uh weird freaky bizarre and and the healing time it's it's it you just never know. Um as a, as
0: a doctor, I actually do know. Mm, okay. That's the point I'm trying to make.
1: Okay. All right. So can you give an exact uh, diagnosis here timeline? Yes. Um after examining
0: Um, Trey Jones shoulder last night. I reached the conclusion that he's obviously going to miss the Virginia game uh, on Saturday. Then we'll also miss Pitt, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, St. John's, Boston College. And I have him slotted to return on uh, February 9th when the Blue Devils travel to Virginia to play the Cavaliers um, on that Saturday. So I have um, diagnosed Trey Jones with a separated AC joint and he will miss the next one, two, three, four, five, six games. That's that's my that's my opinion based on me being a doctor, my history in the medical field.
1: Uh, we got to send that. Uh, we got to send that over to Duke. Um, it's already done. I've already sent it. All right. Hopefully they'll uh, they'll be able to put that out officially later today, and then everyone can be updated, which is good. All right. Trey Jones is averaging. Uh, I like
0: being a doctor, by the way. It's, oh, it's, it's just been fun
1: these past five minutes. Oh yeah, no, it's it's it's. I'm sure it's quite the life there, no doubt. All right, so Trey Jones leads all freshmen in steals per game, two point one, as uh, five point seven assists among the top. His assist to turnover ratio is number two in the country. His offensive rating at Ken Palm is top five among all freshmen. Um, Now, he doesn't, like, he's at 8.1 points a game, 3.1 rebounds, but that's not exactly what they're asking him to do. You're right on the money. I think Zion's their best overall defensive player with Trey as a close second, Uh, does so many things so well. And now, um, who mentioned this? Someone mentioned this on television last night. I can't remember who, but it was a good point. Whereas Tyus on that championship team had Quinn Cook. Trey doesn't necessarily have that here in terms of a, a, certainly in terms of a, of a senior floor general. just doesn't have it. And now you're going to see Jordan Goldwire, Alex O'Connell, Get more playing time. Um, actually, I think I saw Katz say this on Twitter. So shout out to Andy Katz, who uh, uploaded a video to Twitter analyzing the Trey Jones. He also might be a doctor, so you might have some competition within the field Perry Andy Andy is not a doctor. I think it's Dr. He's Katz. an
0: accomplished journalist and in-
1: incredible television presence. Not a doctor like I'm a doctor. Okay. Um, but the point is, what is Duke going to be able to do with running its offense now? Are they going to run it? Through R.J., I think I think that's probably the short-term answer. I think. And Barrett, by the way, you know he's not, he's not been uh, ineffective in, in distributing the ball, averaging 4.1 assists, at 23.4 points, 6.9 rebounds. He's been pretty strong overall. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, I believe Jay Williams said on on Monday night that uh, also it, not a doctor, by the way. Okay. Um, I think he said something along the lines of now. Uh, RJ Barrett needs to actually be James Harden and like drop forty a game for Duke to be successful. Uh, this was passed along to me, so I'm I might be uh, paraphrasing third hand information, but I I don't know that that's that will be interesting and potentially uh very fun and and very well could backfire. I want to see how RJ Barrett does against Virginia on Saturday, uh, and Parrish will be on hand. Not only will Parrish be on hand at that game, I believe if if viewers watch. When you watch that game, check the end of the Duke bench because Paris is actually going to have the stethoscope around his neck. He's going to be there to analyze <laughs> and diagnose uh, either team, really. But but Duke Duke has actually asked him to fly in and, and take care of that.
0: What if I very subtle uh, in a subtle way and like because because Cameron is one of the places where you can see the sports writers like we are you know opposite. with like the cameras are shooting down on us and we're like right there on the front row in front of the camera crazies what if i wear a stethoscope <laughs> how good would that be i'm just sitting courtside with a steth- stethoscope around my neck uh it'd be the best man it would can be, i get one between that and then of course it would be, be the best
1: and yeah. and at halftime you need to jump over the table and sprint back with the managers with the Duke <laughs> what guys. are those managers doing why do they do that? You're gonna be involved in that this time, though, because <laughs> you got to get back there, man.
0: With, I mean, I would get, I would get like in trouble, like in real actual trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what would be funnier than
1: me just sprinting with the managers to the? Do you think I could keep up with them? Uh you know what? You're you are uh, you're sneaky, shifty. I think you've got, I think you've got a chance. But make no mistake about it, as we mentioned in November on this podcast, because it was all over the Maui tournament. Those dudes, I mean, they burn. So I don't know. You might pull a hammy. But if that happens, it's okay because guess what? You're a doctor. I'm a doctor. I can fix myself. That's right. For people who don't know what
0: we're talking about, for reasons that are forever unclear, because there's no way you can explain it to me and make me go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, The Duke managers, watch it. If you've never noticed it, watch it at the end of the half. As soon as the horn sounds, these dudes, these little white dudes, Take off running in a sprint like they're in the freaking Olympics to the locker room across the court. And it is the funniest thing in the world because there's nothing going on that would like if my house caught on fire, I wouldn't run like that. I'd be like, do I have time to grab this or that? And then I would like casually, I think, stroll out of my house. Like there, there is no reason to run like that unless a cheetah is chasing you. And even then, I don't know. But these dudes run like multiple cheetahs are chasing them. And and <laughs> what would be funnier if I ran right with them on Saturday, halftime of Duke, Virginia, with a stethoscope around my neck?
1: All-timer. All-timer. It'd be an all-timer.
0: It'd uh, be an all-timer. Did I book my trip prematurely? Is this game going to live up to the high? I mean, we talk I, I should say this. I know I've already said it. But um, given it's me, I'm going to say it at least three or four more times. Um, Duke still does have three top five picks that are presumably going to be healthy yeah. for Saturday. So – um, you know, the game is not suddenly a dud, but it's not what it otherwise would have been.
1: I think it's still pretty awesome overall. Top two teams in the metrics. Um, Duke's still plenty loaded. You got to figure Reddish is going to be clear to go. I mean, the flu-like symptoms you would have to believe will have subsided by then. Uh, I diagnosed him by the oh
0: way, last okay night. Oh, okay he will be fine. Um, he was already feeling better uh, earlier this morning uh, when I diagnosed him, and so. Um, I would expect he gets the day off today. This is what I told Kay, and then he should be uh, ready to, to practice on Wednesday mm-hmm. and and in the starting lineup on Saturday. As my official diagnosis says, uh, somebody who is um accomplished in the medical field. It's
1: uh, your your ability to uh to diagnose from from hundreds of miles away, uh, yeah. not even doing in the do it in, in the uh, in the physical sense. is it's really it's a major step forward in the world of medicine, and yeah. and I. Listen, I appreciate that you're going to still do this podcast, but you might be wasting your time. I mean, if you're able to do this... I've felt like
0: that for a while, uh, honestly. All right, fair enough.
1: All right, so <laughs> it's still going to be good. I think Duke's still going to be favored. I'll uh, The line won't come out until Friday. Um, I don't know what Ken Palm has it at. I will guess you're going to have Duke get favored by, I think, two maybe in Something that game. Something like that, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the next... So let's say let's just say you're right. And Trey Jones returns February 9th at Virginia. So in between then is Virginia this week and then Pittsburgh on the road, Georgia Tech at home, Notre Dame on the road, St. John's at home, Boston College at home. I think we will be on the same page on this. That's one, two, three, four, five. That is six games. Five and one in that stretch for Duke. That's my guess. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, that
0: that's the – if you're looking for the positive in this, and there's really no positive, but if you're trying to find something to make you less depressed if you're a Duke fan, the schedule's about to lighten up um, pretty significantly um, after the Virginia game because it's five straight games with sub-50 uh, Ken Palm teams, and three of those games are home games. So I, I would assume that um, – how about this? If they beat Virginia, they'll go 6-0 and in that six-game stretch. And if they lose to Virginia, they'll go 5-1 and one in that six-game stretch. I do not think they're going to lose at Pitt, at home to Georgia Tech, at Notre Dame, at home to St. John's, or at home to Boston College.
1: Probably not, but who, what team do you think is better, Syracuse or St. John's? I think St. John's with Shamori Ponds is better. Sure. Yeah, and they should have Ponds on that. So if you can lose one, yeah. to, you know. If you, yeah, no, definitely. It's, pos- it's but,
0: possible. But, but keep in mind, by then, they will have time to have prepared yeah. to play without Trey Jones. That's the other thing that gets lost in this. There's a big difference between losing your point guard the day before a game or two weeks before a game and losing him right in the middle
1: of a game. I agree. We'll see what happens. Hey, listen, if nothing else, um, you know, The unexpected makes for interesting copy and discussion here. And now Duke is, uh, from a roster standpoint, facing some true adversity. Hey, y'all, it's Chip Patterson from CBS Sports. If you're a diehard fan of college football, then you don't need me to remind you that this sport knows no offseason. And let's be honest, if you're a diehard fan of college football, I kind of expect you to already be subscribed to the Cover 3 podcast. But don't worry if you missed out on the Lock Fights late night instant reactions and emergency podcasts in 2019, there's still room for you to join us. Results on the field in the fall are the product of pieces that were set in place in the winter, so don't miss out on the moves, news, and headlines that will determine the 2020 National Championship. Download and subscribe the Cover 3 podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.
2: There are no sports going on right now, none. i never imagined times like this happening, but here we are. And because we're all in this together, nothing personal with David Sampson carries on. We will carry on every Monday through Friday. We will keep breaking down this widespread and lasting impact of the coronavirus and provide updates and insight on these unprecedented events. I mean, in my 18 years as president of a Major League Baseball team, I saw some crazy stuff but nothing quite like COVID-19. It's brought the live sports world to its knees. And I promise to decode the BS in sports, and that's never been more true than right now. You need to know what's happening. Download and subscribe to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else podcasts are found. And remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal.
0: Uh, just a couple of other things I want to get to before we get out of here. Um, Nebraska won sixty-six, uh, 55, uh, 66 fifty-one rather on um, on Monday night at Indiana. So they are now uh, thirteen and four overall. They're up to number eleven at Ken Palm, and Indiana is twelve and five now on a three game losing streak. The Hoosiers have lost to Michigan, Maryland and Nebraska and how about this tweet last night from Bob Kravitz, longtime Indianapolis columnist who now works for The Athletic. He said Archie's endless honeymoon continues. If Tom Crean had lost like this to Nebraska at home, all hell would be breaking loose. Am I wrong? Has something changed? Norlander, let me ask you the same question Bob Kravitz asked Twitter. Has something changed?
1: Well, yeah, context is everything. Uh, I understand the point he's making there. And Indiana shouldn't be facing three-game losing streaks, but again, uh, to, to insert a coda on our previous podcast, this is going to be what the Big Ten is. You're going to have these kind of results with since the middle is just it's a marshland of teams that you can kind of interchange. Big win for Nebraska. I think that's going to be insurance because you know what? Cornhuskers were better than their league record, in my opinion, to that point. They get a win. They get to even table in the conference, at three and three now, and overall they are they're sitting well uh, with what the, with the resume they have, but getting that kind of road win I think is pretty important for Indiana. Too talented in my in my estimation to drop three straight, but I understand that the first two of those three were games they were supposed to lose at Michigan and then at Maryland. The Maryland one was only by three points, and and if you if you watch that game, you know, you can make the argument Indiana should have won it. there's there's no question about that. that was a Friday night tilt and they, they should have gotten it. Now it, that where it gets where it gets interesting is upcoming. at Purdue, at Northwestern, then you are home to Michigan, which well could still be undefeated at the point. maybe we'll see. And then two more road games at Rutgers at Michigan State. So for Indiana, in year number two under Archie Miller, sits at twelve and five. Obviously didn't make the NCAA tournament last season. This is the stretch. This is where if you cannot get out of the next five games with at least three wins, which is possible, but it's gonna be a tall task, you're gonna find yourself I mean, you're gonna have at least eight, if not nine, losses and yeah, it's, it's just, Paris is going to be a 65 degree climb at that point just to to keep up within the league and get the resume to where it's NCAA tournament quality. So because of the loss and because of the timing of it and its three games, whereas this didn't really seem something that was on the table two weeks ago, uh, Indiana being more likely to be in the NIT than the big dance, it's now—it's it's it's turned in a hurry, and I'm glad we brought it up on the pod because I don't even think people realize this. I know Indiana fans do, but elsewhere I don't think people realize this. And if that winds up happening, by the way, our, our freshman rankings, the Frosh Watch, updates every Tuesday on CBSSports.com. Um, Romeo Lankford is pretty clearly the third-best freshman in the country this season. He has, for the most part, pretty much lived up to the hype. He's only behind, we have only have him behind Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. Um, so that would—you know— that would stink if uh, if we didn't get Romeo and IU in the tournament because the team it, it has the talent to do it, but the schedule now is providing huge hurdles.
0: Three game losing streaks are not good when you are, you know, supposed to be a top twenty five team. Uh, but uh, I agree with you. Context matters. The first two losses are. are are games you're probably supposed to lose at Michigan, at Maryland. Now, you don't ever want to lose by double digits at home to, I I guess, anybody, but especially to a team that, you know, at at the time was was unranked in the AP poll. But Nebraska's computer stuff is way better than its human stuff. Um, They're 11th at at Ken Palm right now. And so Tim Miles got a good basketball team. And uh, on a neutral court, Nebraska – even before last night happened, would have been favored over over Indiana. So there's nothing that humiliating there. It's a three-game losing streak with three losses to three top twenty Ken Palm teams. But um, you know, it's Indiana. I mean, they they, they fired a coach uh, a year after he won an outright Big Ten title, and so this is part of the job. When you take a job, and I really do think maybe the tell me tell me if you agree with this or disagree with this. In terms of fan pressure, that can lead to knee-jerk reactions that might be a bit misguided. Is it Kentucky and Indiana? Maybe UCLA. Mm -hmm. I mean, are those the three?
1: I think yes. And yeah, so you got those three. If we're if we're talking about like the biggest programs, Kansas, no. Carolina no, Duke no, Louisville no, Syracuse no, Michigan State no, and then I don't know what other program. Uh, like U- U- UConn's just not there, but that would be a no. Um, UConn fans, I actually thought were pretty patient with Ollie, but he won a national title. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's the the th- the threesome, and I would I, I would put UCLA number one in that behind Indiana two, and then Kentucky. Th- three but in its own way a little bit different than the other two
0: well the, the weird thing about UCLA is that it, it's obviously a thing like if you don't live up to incredible expectations it'll cost you your job but it's not a thing in the sense that you have to hear about it on radio all day long like they're not in LA even when Steve Alford's losing games they're just not True. in LA non-stop talking about UCLA it's it's Lakers it's Dodgers, it's, uh, uh, you know, ran. I don't know. It's a whole bunch of stuff before it gets to UCLA. Whereas in Indianapolis today, I, I promise you, they are talking exclusively, mm-hmm. uh, I would assume, uh, almost exclusively about Indiana's three-game losing streak. And if Kentucky ever goes on a three-game losing streak, in the state of Kentucky, they are talking about Kentucky's three-game losing streak. So Indiana, like, the stakes are high. It'll, it'll cost you your job, but it's not an intense like backlash that that you have to deal with whereas in those other two places it clearly is.
1: Yeah, that's that is 100% on the money. I uh, I agree with that. And you know, I think most Indiana fans, listen, the higher they knocked it they won the higher. They it's good hire. I maintain that I think Archie Miller is going to be at Indiana 6-7 years from now coaching this program, but now that year 2's been uh, bumpier than expected. It'd be interesting to see if if they can turn it because I actually think Indiana can turn it. I think I hell let's just put it put it on the table right now. Indiana Hoosiers in the 2019 NCAA tournament, yes or no, Gary Parrish?
0: Of course, yes. I say yes yeah. too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I I I I would bet lots of money on
0: that. Uh, you know, I I honestly think, and Indiana fans don't want to hear this. I think the three game losing streak says more about the Big Ten and exactly what we talked about on Sunday um, than it does about than it does about Indiana. I, I, you know, I, I'm not concerned about Indiana, and I'm not concerned about Archie. Like We know the guy can coach. We know it from what he did at Dayton. And also, and I, I always think this is important, and this is one of the things we are allowed to do because of our jobs that the, the, the average fan isn't. Like We, we know these guys, and, and by these guys have I been mean, the coaches throughout college basketball. And we know who has a good reputation as far as a coach with other coaches and who doesn't, and Archie does. And so you give me a guy who can undeniably coach and who is now an accomplished recruiter, given what he just did in the class of 2018, and then give him the resources that Indiana's going to have, that guy's going to be fine. I mean, you might still fire him someday for the same reasons you or, or similar reasons to, uh, you know, the, you fired Tom Crean, but like you know, he's he'll be good there and he's gonna get things done there and this three game losing streak doesn't make me think otherwise at
1: all. Yeah, I'm I'm with you overall. And 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 speaking of, you know, hires of note, can we can we just mention what, what Pitt did and, and the and the hangover yeah. of Florida State against you know the post Duke hangover for FSU?
0: Yeah, let's close on that. Um because uh shouts to Jeff Cable. I mean the, the, for people who don't understand uh, Pitt was in a bad place under Kevin Stallings. Uh, I don't know how it got there because Kevin is somebody who uh, has had a, a pretty uh, impressive career. Um, you know, he was a longtime coach at Vanderbilt. But he took Pitt to a bad place. And they went 8-24 and last season and finished 227th at Ken Palm. Jeff Capel gets hired off of Mike Krzyzewski's staff at Duke. And after last night's Monday night's win over Florida State. They beat Florida State 75-62. That's the same Florida State team that, that just, uh, you know, played Duke to the final second. Uh, Pitt's now 12-5 and overall. They've got wins over Louisville and Florida State in the past six days, and they're now 68 at Kempom. I have not been able to look this up, but 227 at the end of last season to 68 right now. I don't know that any team in the country has made a bigger jump than that.
1: That's a, a massive jump and they're, they're they're playing well. It is uh, it's a testament to sometimes, not always, but sometimes if you just completely shake things up, if things get so bad within a program and you need a coaching change and you get the right guy, it can turn out like this. Now, I don't think I, whereas I think IU is going to be in the big dance, I don't think Pitt's going to get there. Uh, but these are these are positive gains already. Um I was curious as to how the 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 team would perform in the ACC because it didn't do anything really in the non-conference, which wasn't a letdown, it was just year one under Capel. But you see some uh, some nice some nice wins already. Granted, they are at home. Want to see what they can do on the road? Interestingly enough, the way that the AC schedule is, is kind of uh, spiraling out here is 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 now Pitt plays Syracuse from the Florida State to Duke to Pitt to uh, to Georgia Tech. All these teams seem to be playing each other within one game of each other. So can Pitt go and and win at Syracuse? I think we both think that's. Plenty possible given uh, the bipolarity of, of Syracuse. But shouts to Jeff Capel. And, you know, it was public that he was not the school's first choice. That was Dan Hurley, who opted to go to UConn. But Capel is working out very well in year number one. And we'll see what, the, what it can do the rest of the way. Even if even if Pitt, you know, winds up being a non-factor and finishes 10th, 11th in the league, I still think And it, that, and it probably will. Yeah, but it's still been—you You are seeing signs there. Xavier Johnson, by the way, I mentioned our, our frosh watch. He's not in the top 10, but he's knocking on the door. He has been a top 12, top 13 freshman overall in America this season. A really fun player uh, to watch and, and does a lot of things for them. So, yes, uh, the future is very bright for Pitt in that program you guys have come out just fine so far
0: no question um and I I would just say that you know these last couple of wins um and, and keep in mind so like the last three games it's a win over Louisville a win over Florida State so it's a win over the Louisville team that just beat North Carolina a beat North Carolina bad a win over the Florida State team that played Duke to the final second and they played um at NC State uh, they played the Wolfpack to, to single digits that was an 86 80 game and so um they're they're not only winning games they're they're obviously playing well and either way I, I don't know where this goes from here like you know they could lose the next five um they'll be underdogs in the next five it's Syracuse Duke Louisville Clemson Syracuse but any win you get particularly ACC win you get a year after the program you're now leading went eight and 24 and finish 227 at Ken Palm uh, is a good win. Uh, Already, it's January 15th, and Pitt has four more wins than it had all of last season. Um, Like I tweeted on Monday night, uh, what Jeff is doing at Pitt is not getting as much recruiting attention as what Penny Hardaway is doing at Memphis. It's not getting as much on-the-court attention as what Kermit Davis has done at Ole Miss, take the Rebels um, from pick last in the SEC to to the top 20 of the AP poll right now but it is similarly uh impressive and that was a that was an impressive win that 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 the Panthers got on on Monday night against Florida State shouts to Devin Downey shouts to Chester South Carolina shouts to Terry MF and Teagle he's the legend shouts to Larnell and uh, remember please go subscribe to the Ion college basketball podcast via Apple podcast if you haven't done that already if you have thank you sincerely it does make a Uh, a big difference Um, it helps other people become aware of the ion college basketball podcast it uh, impresses our bosses so all of that is is good stuff if you've already done it thank you if you haven't it it takes seconds uh, not even a minute so please go do that subscribe it rate it favorably five stars nice comments i'll owe you forever and we're going to talk to you again on friday morning till then take care